I'ma say what I feel And I promise to keep it real Welcome to the Red Room Diminishing the doubts are behind ya It's hard to grind in the business Got me stressed in the rent room We let that shit up off our chest You never have to guess when you're listening to Hilliard He gon' bring more game than a shark playing billiards It's all about the crap of screenwriting It's exciting when you turn an outline into something enlightening Your pen and words are like bullets in a gun Write what you feel, say what you want Welcome to the rent room What's up y'all, it's your boy Hilliard Guest And you guys are listening to the Screenwriters Rant Room we keep it real, we keep it opinionated, and we keep it 2023, y'all. Yeah, on the show we discuss entertainment, TV, film, music, culture, but our focus is always screenwriting, stories, craft, and shit like that. Chris Derrick is out today, and we got a dope show for y'all. So if you guys are grown, we jump on into the show. So today we got my little bro in the building. Why am I having a deja vu of us doing this? That's weird. All of a sudden, just hit me. <laughs> That's funny. Um, Ramphis Murtho, y'all, producer himself, out there killing the game, all at Sundance, all on a red carpet, looking good, showing off, doing this thug dizzle. <laughs> What's up, Ramphis? Welcome to the show. Yo, thank you for having me. It's yes, great indeed. to be here, live and direct on Easter Sunday. Yes, indeed. Um, been wanting to have you on the show for a minute, and uh, I think we met last year, and we were on a panel together um, for the Black TV Film what was it? Collective. Collective, yeah. yeah, yeah. BTFC, that's it. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and I think we're both on the uh, advisory, advisory board. board. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, but let's go in and tell everybody a little bit about like where you're from and how you get into the game. Yeah, um, so I'm born in Queens, Jamaica, Queens. Brooklyn, Queens. <laughs> <laughs> New York, New York. <clears throat> and um, my, um, so my father, Raymond Murthel, mm -hmm. was going for his second or third PhD. Wow. And then my mom was getting her bachelor's degree. Where they from? So um, they're both from Haiti. I'm okay. Haitian. You know what I mean? I figured you was either so. Haitian or some sort of uh, uh, like African where they just be everybody Nigerian or some shit. Where they, everybody's a doctor or some shit. Right. <laughs> Go ahead, it's the same like, mindset in the yeah. Haitian culture. Yeah. So, um, so pretty much they were going to school mm -hmm. and um, they didn't have like the time and the resources to like, like help raise me so they sent me to go live with my grandfather so my grandfather was a captain under papa doc and a third star general on the baby doc so they sent really? me to go live in port-au-prince so really? it was the other way around i left the u.s to go <laughs> grow up in haiti yeah man so yeah creole was my first language french mm -hmm. was my second and later <laughs> in life i took esl and english was my third language wow. so so yeah growing up was in port-au-prince uh, it was an extraordinary life like we had a huge home and my grandfather had a lot of means and resources so whoa whoa whoa, whoa. where my 10 percent what my pick? Yeah, ten percent. So, so yeah, it was a dope childhood. Like mm -hmm. we had like animals and goats really? and chickens and so y'all um, some acreage and shit. Yo, yeah, 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 yeah. So I come from a really great lineage, nice. you know, between my father's bloodline and my mother's, you know, bloodline. Mm -hmm. And pretty much what happened was that when um, Baby Doc fled to France for exile, my grandfather had an option to become a five-star general mm. or to retire and yeah. he basically chose the latter 
and he brought his family he brought his uh two daughters and son mm -hmm. and myself and his wife to miami <clears throat> so um i started living in miami okay. and um what was happening was that my grandmother you know she didn't have a visa so she had to go back and forth from miami to port-au-prince and she would take me so i was falling behind on my schooling wow. and um my parents had finished up school so at that point it just <laughs> didn't make sense for me to be down there anymore right. so they had me come back to queens okay and um what, what age are you around this time uh it must have been like five or six okay you know so yeah. i was still you know yeah. pretty young yeah you that's, know? that's a good age to yeah. get a get re what they call it, re acquainted what they call it you know what i'm talking yeah. about yeah, yeah like, like, like that's where you yeah. claim it. You, you start to claim it at that point. Yeah, exactly, for sure, for sure. exactly, exactly. <clears throat> but no, I grew up in New York most of my life, okay. you know, so outside of like the Haitian culture. Mm -hmm. And what happened, this is wild. You're, you're a man of cars, so you, didn't, you don't know about this. All right, get into so it, get into it. my ex-business partner, Adam, mm -hmm. you know, um, he got me into street racing. I used to run really? a crew in New York. Used to street cars race. Cars or motorcycles or what? Um, cars. Really? Cars, yeah, yeah. Hunts Point, Green Point. Hmm. Um, Queens Boulevard, yeah, all of that. Fra Franny Lou, <laughs> really? you know. So yes, yeah, so I had a crew of about forty. We used to compete in car shows okay. and uh, street racing in New York. So I did that for a while, you all know. Right. And what happened was that we were you never knew this. This is fascinating. I know, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Most people don't, you know. Yeah, I went from street racing to film. <laughs> mm -hmm. So what happened was that we had. I always had a camcorder. I was always oh, yeah. recording everything, anything I was doing with my crew. Mm -hmm. So one day we shot this like really gorilla type video for MTV, mm -hmm. like cribs for cars type thing. <laughs> and I didn't know what I was doing, you mm -hmm. know. But Adam was in the film game, and he's like, "Yo, you know, like you looked really good on camera. You know, I'm training with Michael Imperioli from The Sopranos." Mm -hmm. He got cash in this movie. It's like, Ram, why you come read for this role? I'm like, dude, I didn't go to Juilliard. I don't know nothing about this. Like, I'm not about that. Like, all I want to do is like hang out with my crew, hang out with our models, and like compete in these car shows. That's it. You know? Hold on, hold on. You see, he added the models part. You see that? <laughs> Um, so, you know, after he, you know, bumped me a couple of times, I'm like, all right, I'll go read for this role. So I went in with like a Polaroid, a Polaroid, <laughs> no monologue. I don't know what I was doing. I improvised some, some scenes and I got a call back. Hmm. Like, all right. Beginner's luck, whatever. Instincts. Too. So, you know, I got another call back. All mm -hmm. right. I still don't believe it. But then after the third one, I'm like, yo, maybe there's something here. Maybe yeah. I should try. Right. So I went and got a um, uh, photographer, you know, shot with him. Mm -hmm. And um, I started doing extra work. So the first set I ever worked on was American Gangster. There's an extra on that. And um, and me being really naive or whatever, I didn't know proper etiquette. You know, like we had rapped that day. Mm -hmm. I went up to Ridley Scott because everybody was going up to Denzel at the end. I'm like, yo, Ridley, da-da-da, new actor, da-da-da. You know, like, and he's like, I'm like telling him like, oh, my God, I love like all of your stuff, Kingdom of Heaven, yeah. Aliens, and let's praise him. And he's like nodding. And I'm like, yo, so when do we get to work together? You and me. You know, they're like, what's up? You should have seen the look on his face. I, <laughs> you know, I love this. Thing. You know, and then like, so what happened next was that um, the first AD came and saved them. <laughs> Jumped in right in the mix, you know. And then um, so I'm like, all right, well, I want to work with this guy. Like, how can I make this happen? Mm -hmm. So I'm like, let me see where he's at. So at the time, he was with WMA, William Morris Agency. Mm -hmm. George Freeman was his agent. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, well. That didn't quite work. Let me just call his agent. Tell him like, "Yo, we met and we want to work together." <laughs> so that's exactly what I did. <laughs> I called William Morris. 
You know, I'm like, yo, can I speak to George Freeman? Who's this? Wow. Ramfus Murthal? Like, is he expecting? Yeah, of course. We just met, you know? <laughs> so I guess they could smell the bullshit, you know? And there was this cat named Kobe. He was like, yeah, you know, he's not available, da-da-da. I'm like, all right, well, I got your address. So I'll just go ahead and send you all my, my stuff, you know, so we can start working together. <laughs> and that's what I did. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I got to interrupt you. I might, I might do that a little bit. But all right, go ahead. This is great. I'm having a ball. <laughs> Here's the thing that I miss about being innocent and not knowing mm. is you take more chances. Mm. You see what I'm saying? But go ahead. This is, this is a great story. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So, uh, so what happens next? I follow up a few times. Mm -hmm. I, hit the, I hit the brick wall. And then I tell the dude, like, yo, what's up? Like, you're not putting me through. And he's like, dude, like, I know. Yeah, I know, like, you didn't. You know what I mean? He didn't say that. So I'm like, all right, well, you know what? Since I can't rock with, you know, Ridley and George, hey, why don't we build? You know what I mean? Wow. <laughs> so then I started this relationship with this because my mindset was like, well, he's a assistant, yep. you know, he's eventually next. he's going to become an agent, yep. you know what I mean? That's the whole thing. And then we developed a really cool relationship. And a few mm -hmm. years later, we met in real life and we bonded, nice. you know? So along my way, I did a lot of things like that. You know, mm -hmm. I started in the business as an actor. You know, I started training at, um, you know, uh, Jason Bennett's acting school, mm -hmm. you know, down in the West Village. And um, I, you know, I worked on a lot of other sets and learned how to be like an extra, proper etiquette. Um, and then I started doing like student films. Mm -hmm. And then, um, then I started hearing about networking events. And I had never been to a networking <laughs> event. So what I did was, you know, I looked at all the, you know, experts that would be there. I read about their background, read their bio, read their IMDb. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to be well equipped because I figured like everybody was probably a step ahead of me because I was such a newbie yeah. and I started kind of late. So I went to this networking event, and it was three guys. I think it was four guys. And obviously, you know, they all the women got more play <laughs> than I did. You know what I mean? So, you know, but I made it a point to introduce myself to everyone. Okay. Give, you know, tell them, like, I knew a little bit about them and their mm -hmm. background. And I asked for their, you know, I always ask for the number first because my mindset is, like, I get their number. Then I could get the email. If I asked for the email, then I'd be like, yo, you got my email. You don't need my number. Exactly. So, so I got everybody's contact, basically, mm -hmm. you know. And then I later learned that not everybody did that. That was kind of strange to me. Like, yep. you go to a networking event, the whole point is to network and to meet with the people that are the experts, right? So the last guy I sat down with, his name is Sid Gold. He's a talent manager. Mm -hmm. So I sit down with him. It's old, old school cat, if I recall. Yeah, yeah. He's been around for yeah. a while. So... You know, I sit down with him, you know, with politicking, and I'm like, yo, Sid, da-da-da, like, such a pleasure to meet you, mm -hmm. you know, being charismatic, and then I'm like, yo, dude, you know, like, you're such an ill dude, like, you know, I see you're part of the TMA, you know, you got this award back then, you know, you've been doing it for X amount of years, you Did know, how's the wife, how the kids, yeah. and he sat, this white man sat back down, <laughs> and he looked at me, he's like, I can't believe you said all that, you memorized <laughs> all this stuff, he was, he was dazzled, yeah. he was amazed, mm -hmm. and he's like, listen, I didn't give anybody my business card tonight but i'm gonna give it to you because you did you went the extra mile god we have a similar story but and i'm like <laughs> and to me i'm like it's a no-brainer like how come no one else did yeah. this you know what i mean yeah. so sure enough followed up and i started working with sid gold and mm -hmm. i started went going in you know i was booking a little commercials corporate videos and then the film stuff i wasn't booking that was kind of tight so what happened was that i had uh, i was up for this movie called the express it's about the first african-american to win a heinzman award okay. stars dennis quaid rob brown mm -hmm. chadwick boseman mm -hmm. so i was up for the role that rob brown little, little names. you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> so you know i did everything to like you know like the uh, the, the 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 person that um, rob brown was playing was ernie you know mm -hmm. so i did everything to like i even had the part and mm -hmm. all that and i got 
pretty far in the callbacks. Yeah. You know, it was uh, the casting director that did uh, The Departed. Okay. So I thought, like, I might, I might have this thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> so sure enough, Rob Brown get it. And I'm like, obviously, household name. <laughs> I was a little upset and bitter about it. So I'm like, man, you know, like, I, I want to have more control of my destiny. So along the way, you know, there used to be this event that used to happen like once a month. It was like DV something, DV Republic, I think it was called. Mm -hmm. And it was where, you know, all the, 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 the filmmakers of color and actors of color came together. And then there was another crew of Asian cats. They had a crew that mm -hmm. would meet up. And then Nalip, which is all the Spanish cats. Yep. So we'd all meet up and talk about like what's going on, you know, like how we can help one another and share, share stories. So I met this and it was ran by uh, Warrington Hudlin. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, I met this amazing actress named Stoletta Dupois. You know, she's great done name. a lot of theater, film, TV. Yeah. You know, she's like a successful working actress. Yeah. And her issue was like, she was typecast a lot. You know, mm. she's always playing the mom, the grandma, da da da. She want to break out. So she's like, Ramphis, you want to break in. I want to like break out. You know, like, I know everybody black, Hollywood, Blair mm -hmm. Underwood, mm -hmm. you know, you name it. I've worked with Sam Jackson, right. Denzel, you know, so I'm like, all right, well, let's, let's, let's collaborate. So she got cast in this movie called First Sunday, you know, stars Ice Cube, Tracy Morgan, Cat mm -hmm. Williams, and um, she invited me to the premiere. It was my first L.A. premiere. Mm. So I flew out from New York, came to the premiere, and right behind me is like Chameleonaire, you know, <laughs> Wayne's Brothers, the other side, like everybody was there, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Right, so, right, right, right. You flew on your own nine, just to be clear, right? I, your own dime. I flew on my own dime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I put my own bread. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What are you like, willing she, to do? She, yes. didn't, she, didn't, she didn't put up bread for me. Right. The studio didn't, didn't care about me or know me. You know what I mean? So <laughs> put up my own bread, came out there, because I'm like, yo, this is an Ill opportunity. It's a no-brainer. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like, I need to show up. Right. So... Sure enough, I showed up, went to the premiere, went to the um, after party. So I'm at the after party. I'm in the mix. I'm with right. Tim Story. I'm mm -hmm. with Singleton. You know what I mean? I'm like with the head of the studio. This guy named Clint Culpepper was running the studio oh, yeah. at the time. Mm -hmm. You know, at um, Screen at Screen Gems was the name of it. So and I'm at Cube. I just met a lot of people, and they were really open and receptive. You know, so. And the thing is that at the time I was more of an actor. You know what I mean? So I wanted to. Now it started sifting and like, yo, like. These cats are willing to talk to me because Starletta brought me in, mm -hmm. you know, so I want to be a filmmaker now. I want to make my own stuff. So, mm -hmm. you know, it really put a fire under me. So me and Adam, you know, we flew back to New York and we started making our own stuff. You know, like the first thing I ever made was a short film that you will never see <laughs> <laughs> called, um, you know, uh, One Last Six. You know, we got like our, our friend, you know, Mike Selton to write it. You know, um, my business partner, Adam, directed it. We both produced it. I AD'd it. I didn't AD it properly. <laughs> you know, like my cinematographer was like an animator that wanted to be a cinematographer. We bought lights from Home Depot. It was super low budget bootleg, but you but know. you did it. But we did it. And we you did learned. It. We did it. We learned yes. a lot. We learned a lot on that. And then what happened on the next one is like, all right, I, I want to be smarter. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like, I don't want to necessarily put up more bread, mm -hmm. but I want to be smarter. So <clears throat> there was a school called CSB, Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Okay. It don't exist no more. But I had met the guy that runs the school, and he wanted to be a filmmaker, you know. Or he was a filmmaker, but he wanted to work a little bit more. Yeah. So I'm like, dude, what if we do this? Like, what if you come and co-direct with my business partner? And then we get all the equipment from the school, mm. you know what I mean? Right. And we, we can bring on one of your cinematographers. And I, in my head, I'm like, it was when when I'm going to get all the gear. Yep. I get a cinematographer, yep. da, da, da. He's vested in it. And that's how, you know, we went from like, you know, like a really small, you know, short film on the first one. Now you got a two-way truck. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> we jumped up dramatically. Exactly. And, and then like, 
you know, I'm a really good communicator and I follow up with people. That's one of the things that a lot of people don't do when they go to networking events. They don't follow up, which right. I don't understand. But I had worked on this silent student film at New York Film Academy. And the kid that I did it with, he ended up getting cast in Grand Torino. And he's the guy that kills Clint Eastwood okay, at right. the end. So, you know, he started to blow up. So I mm -hmm. called him like, yo, dude, I'm about to shoot this thing called Super Sunday. We'd love to have you in it. Honestly, I can't afford your rates. Right. You know, like. You know, would you be open to it? And he's like, yeah, man. Like, when I come back to New York, I'm in. You know what I mean? People like, just want to work so, good shit. You know what I mean? Word. <clears throat> you know, so, you know, I shot with him, mm -hmm. da, da, da. And that film did very well. We mm -hmm. played a lot of festivals, won a lot of awards. Okay. And everybody asked me, how the hell did you get him in the film? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I and it was like, yo, it's relationships, da, da, da. Like, I stayed in touch, da, da, da. So, what happened next? You know, there was uh, multiple well, things. How, how far back are we? What year are we This is 2008. Then? Oh, oh during the strike and all that you shit, know, the recession. So yeah, because yeah. I got yeah. into business the end of 05, mm -hmm. you know, when I told you about, you know, um, that audition that I right. did, that was the end of 05. In 06, then I got a little bit more, okay. you know, I started doing extra work and all that. Mm -hmm. So this is 08 now, you got know, it. we're in 08. Um, so, you know, what happens next, you know, over the next two years is at the time, mm -hmm. this, you know, my story is all over the place. Yeah, I, was, I was engaged to this girl from Iraq, mm -hmm. you know, from San Diego. And her family believed in arranged weddings. So, you know, the one thing that they said you cannot do is like, we don't want you marrying outside of the, you know, culture. You got to marry someone we know. But you're definitely not going to fucking marry a black man. That's not going to happen. That's the worst. The worst thing you can do is marry a Muslim or a black man. She was Chaldean. Chaldeans oh, are Christian Iraqis from the north. They fled, you know, during the war, you know, because of persecution and religious beliefs. So, you know, it was a really hard breakup. And during that time, I had saved up a ton of money for our wedding. Mm -hmm. So since we didn't get married, I started to dabble in, like, day trading. And I wanted to get into real estate. Okay. So I ended up going to this um, real estate event in New Jersey with this guy Chuck talking about how he's able to get properties that are distressed, people that are desperate to get rid of their property, right. you know, um, he gives them a contract that he makes himself like, hey, I'll sell the spot, take care of it, don't even worry about it. Mm -hmm. And they're relieved off that. But what he doesn't tell them is Ooh. the booby trap is in the, in the contract, he keep all the profits. So I'm like, you know what? Karmically, that don't really sit with me. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to rock with that. But um, would you cut a check in the film? And he was like, hell no. So... <laughs> I'm like, and I don't take no for no. I so I'm like, it, all right, it. well, if you won't cut a check, who will, you know? Yeah. And he's like, well, my friend Judy you should connect with. So I'm like, all right, bet, give me Judy's number. Mm -hmm. Well, you got to go on LinkedIn to find Judy. So I went on LinkedIn, messaged her like, hey, I was at this event, met Chuck, told mm -hmm. me to connect with you. Next thing I know, I got Judy's number. We talk on the phone. Mm -hmm. The next night, we're like at a rooftop, you know, in Manhattan, talking about our failed <laughs> relationships. And then she's telling me about a show she was doing called What's Cooking in Real Estate, where you cook to a meal and toast to a deal. Okay. And it's real estate moguls talking about deals that they've done, deals that they're currently doing, right. and deals that they're looking to make, commercial okay. and residential. My husband's a realtor, wow. by the way. So oh, that's I'm dope. That's dope. So you know yeah. all about the game. <clears throat> so like we had the real deal covering it. The real deal was like it's the largest real estate publication in New York, okay. you know. So what would happen is that, you know, not a knock to your partner, but a lot of real estate people are dry. Oh, yeah. You know. Sure. So the real estate people that came on came on just for the PR. So we didn't have to pay them. Right. And then um, we got like live kitchens where they can cook in. And these are kitchens that are selling kitchens mm. to the general public. So they did it because of the PR and the real estate moguls being mm -hmm. there. You know, so there are people that want to get in front of these people that don't have access. 
and that were willing to you know pay for good food. So <laughs> what we did was that we had an in studio audience where we charged them to pay to play really? and to eat, and that's how we financed the project. Interesting, really that's out of the smart. box. Yeah. So at the time. Keep in mind, I had done these other projects that right. I made. You know, I never ran a professional crew. So now I'm running like a real crew with like multiple cameras. And I'm like the producer. And I'm like, oh my, I was over in my head. But how do I learn? How do, you know what I mean? Yep. So, you know, like this was the only way. And you I didn't let be, that. You have to be an anticipator to be a great producer. Just let me just interrupt you really quickly. Keep your thought, please. You were telling me earlier about <clears throat> when you went to that event. And, and you met that producer, uh, I'm sorry, the, the agent manager. or whatever who was. Mm -hmm. um, as soon as you said that, I went, oh, that's why he's a good producer. You have to be fearless to be a great producer. Somebody told me that. That's how I started producing. But go ahead and finish your thought. It's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, like I learned a lot on that set, you know, and I'm sure a lot of the crew realized I didn't know what I was doing. Sure. So what happened next was that, you know, one of the real estate moguls, him and I became really close. Right. And anytime I needed a Bugatti, Lambo, Ferrari, Manson, I go to him. I take like Smart. his, you know, it was a relationship. Mm -hmm. And later on, he became one of my investors. And he's actually one of my dearest friends now. I've known him since then. He really helped me with my beginning of my career. I'm going to be with him at Cannes next month. Mm -hmm. And he's sponsoring the building that we got, you know, wow. for 150 grand. You know what wow. I mean? He's not putting up 150, yeah, but yeah. he's putting a portion towards that. So we've cultivated a, a relationship. So um, that's how I got my first investor, you know what I mean, like through this project. And, you know, because of the breakup that I'd gone through, you know, me and my ex-business partner had put together this like short film about relationships because a lot of times, you know, you watch these commercials mm -hmm. late at night, like how great Viagra is, <laughs> da, 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 but it's a small print that matters. And yeah. a lot of times people are talking about how great love is, but they missed a small print. Yeah. And that was like the premise of this, you know, like short that we did. That's cute. And I pretty much brought on the whole crew that I worked on with from what's cooking in real estate, you know, because mm -hmm. they were pros and I never worked on that professional level right. before that. So I really upped it's the game, machine. you know. Yeah. So we ended up bringing it to um, the short film corner at Cannes um, the next year in 2012, mm -hmm. you know. And uh, I'm going to rewind a little bit, you know, to tell you like some of the things I did. Get into you know? it. Get into it. So um, I was notoriously known for crashing film sets. Really? <laughs> so my homegirl Francesca called me one night. She lived in Staten Island. She's like, "Yo, Ramfus, they shooting this movie out here, you know? Um, and uh, I think it's called, um, you know, I think the title now is called Staten Island. It was called something else. They changed mm -hmm. the name. So it's for James DeMonico. So I'm like, all right, bet. Like I need to, um, I need. Let me call Adam and let him know. So yeah. called Adam. You got in the car, <clears throat> drove to Staten Island. We got there somewhere around like maybe one in the morning wow. they're shooting overnight oh, so so we hung out the entire time we blended in we didn't want to disrupt mm -hmm. we waited till they wrap so at the end of the night we saw james came up to him like yo james da 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 you know ramphus and adam he's like who the fuck are y'all <laughs> why y'all here like yo you know like adam's you know mom is friends with your mom and she put in some calls she's like, oh yeah, yeah i know about you guys so mm -hmm. I went straight in for the kill. Like, yo, James, let me get your number. Da da da. Oh, okay, cool. Reach out anytime. So, mm -hmm. got his number, email. So, um, what happened next was that, like I said, one um, 
uh, Love in the Small Print went to Cannes, so we let James know. We kept updating on what we're doing, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Yo, you that know, legitimizes my, you." Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's like, "Yo, my producer, my producers at Cannes, and he had three films." I'm like, "Shit, it's hard to get one film. This guy got three movies." So we met with his producing partner, mm-hmm. this guy named Sebastian, and um, we met him in some like fancy hotel, probably like Hotel Majestic or mm-hmm. whatever. And we're sitting there, me and Adam talking to him, and towards the end of the meeting, he whips out these two golden tickets. And he gives it to us. He's like, wow. yo, I'm having this party tonight on the mountain in a castle. Y'all could come through. Yeah. So I'm like, yo, you know, like, I feel this feels really like what I'm about to ask you maybe inappropriate, but I got to ask. So he's like, go ahead. I'm like, well, we came with our assistant and she's been such a help. She's driven us everywhere. We didn't get her the proper accreditation because she yeah. didn't qualify for it. But is there any way, you know, you can give us an extra ticket? On you. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then he got on the phone and, you know, he started talking friends and da-da-da. And then, like, he hung up and then he took out another ticket. And wow. Cassandra went with us, mm-hmm. you know. One of the best nights of my life going to that Crazy. party. You know, like, we had these gold tickets. We skipped the whole entire line. Access. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then, like, I'm there with the producer that did Smurfs. I'm with LMFAO. Like, mm-hmm. everybody was there. It was in incredible hmm. so you know fast forward like a year later you know Seb- sebastian was telling us about a little movie that him and james did that he produced michael bay threw his name on it ethan hawk was in it that film that little film you know was playing during the nba finals rotational that's called wow. the perch oh, yeah, yeah. and it changed james's life yeah. so of course i hit up james right after like yo james yo what's up i want to yeah. rock with you what's up man he's like dude i'm a writer director you know what i mean there's nothing <laughs> i can do for you if right. you ever need anything you know call my agent charles Ferrar at uta you know what i mean and then of course i followed up on that <laughs> and i built a relationship with uta so along the way i did all these things to like build my career out of the box like thinking networking mm-hmm. and um uh, being aggressive and the stuff i started making was around people that look like you and me right. you know and then i started making things around um a lot of my female colleagues were having issues mm-hmm. getting their shit made you know what i mean so i started making i, I did this 9-11 film called the broken ones where they had a lot of issues i was brought in like halfway you know they were over budget you know they couldn't pay their casting director anymore and you know so i'm like all right i'm a fix it. I'll figure this out. You yeah. know what I mean? So, you know, um, I had to renegotiate, you know, actors' contracts, which they didn't like, you know. Um, exactly <laughs> I had to, like, you know, I did a lot of ballsy things, like, you know, like, I felt like this film could have ended my career. Um, so one of our, the lead actor of the film, you know, him and I had a heart-to-heart, mm-hmm. and um, while, while, we're ha- while we're talking, you know, he's telling me, I'm telling him about a film that he had done that i seen that I loved, and he's like, yo, that film, they underpaid me, undervalued me, da-da-da, and then I'm like, man, do I tell him now that we got to pay him less, <laughs> you know, and we're having such a good moment, and honestly, I was like intimidated because he's such he was such a big name, right. so I'm like, man, like, I told I told his agents, but I don't know if they told him. So I'm like, well, I told his agent that should be good enough. You know what I mean? I didn't want to ruin the relationship. So, you know, like 25th hour, right before we're gonna shoot, like a week out. You mm-hmm. know, like I guess the agency ICM came back. They're like, yo, like this is not what we agreed to. And I'm like, well, I told y'all this, you know, mm-hmm. like you know, like a month ago, and I put it in writing and da da da. And you guys knew. You guys never said anything. So of course they played it on me, like okay. I was the bad guy or whatever. So. The actor was thinking about falling out, you mm. know, and I had to go back and tell, you know, the the team, some of the team this, and 
director was like really upset she was crying i'm like oh man i'm never gonna work again <laughs> you know here i am trying to like finagle things and you know so you know i was literally shooting the video for the zombies um rock group out of the uk i, know I got i got the call from the agency and they're like yo he's in he'll do it i'm like thank mm. god because we had started spending money and all this you know to start back up and I'm like, yo, this could have ended my career because I would have got the blame. You know, nobody want to hear the story. They don't want to hear no excuse. Yeah. It's about results. So, you know, one of the issues that we had was that we had to put him in like a five-star hotel. And he's British. So, you know, like I called Yotel and I was like, yo, you know, we got this actor coming in. You know, any way you can help us out. They're like, well, you know, if we can do like some, um, get some social media from him, mm -hmm. you know, well, we'll discount the rate. Da -da -da, we'll put him in a suite. And the girls loved him. I'm like, yeah, he'll do all that. <laughs> Not in this contract. You know what I mean? So I told my team this. They're like, Ramphis, you can't be doing that. Yeah. Like, did you run this by his reps? I'm like, no. They're like, you can't do that. I'm like, yeah. all right, so y'all figure it out. <laughs> Nobody wanted to figure it out. So I'm like, all right, then this is what we're going to do. So they're like, well, how are you going to tell him? So I picked him up in the airport when he flew in. Smart. I, the first thing I did, I apologized about the rate. I'm like, yo, my bad, da-da-da. I didn't know how to communicate. I was intimidated. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm keeping it 100. You yeah. know? And he's like, yo, I appreciate it. And I'm like, yo, I got I to gotta ask you for something. You know, like, when I negotiated, you know, your contract, you know, um, you know, I had to put you in this really nice hotel. Yeah. Things that we don't have the budget to pay, like, your rate, your stipend, fly you up, put you in this hotel. Like, I got you a nice hotel, but... Mm -hmm. You know, I told him that you're going to do all this PR and stuff, you know, so, and like, <laughs> like I'm like sweating all night, he's like, oh man, he's about to say like, yo, I'm done with this cat, but sure enough, he's like, yo, you know what, I'll do whatever y'all need, you mm. know, and it all worked out, yeah. you know what I mean, he didn't mind doing some of the PR, whatever, and, um, you know, I got that film done within budget, you know, got it, you know, finished on time, I ended, I ended up actually bringing money to the project, mm. you know, I helped with um, film festival strategy mm -hmm. got the film sold and the casting director Adrian Stearns he's like a big casting director out in New York mm -hmm. she was so impressed she was like yo like you didn't I actually casted the film too like I went through <laughs> I was calling the agencies getting the breakdown mm -hmm. sending it to the, the, the director that are, like I was doing everything anything it was mm -hmm. a big opportunity for mm -hmm. me so because we had a really good cast so um, she was so impressed she brought me on to a biopic you know, uh, well, she introduced me to this biopic with a female writer, female director. It was Al Pacino's daughter. Okay. And um, the filmmaker was a female director, writer, director. And it was a biopic about Mary Pickford. You know, it was oh, like yeah. a five million dollar movie, mm -hmm. you know, with um, Spielberg's DP. And it was shooting out here mm -hmm. and they needed some money. And, you know, the universe conspires. Like, you know, I read The Alchemist, one of my favorite books. You know, when you want something so bad the universe will conspire to make it work. Right. So, you know, sidetrack, you know, the year I went to Canada, I'd met this kid, you know, Christopher Lopez, and we stayed in touch. And he had told me like, yo, dude, I got this investor, you know, or this investment group, you know, like their model doesn't work with what I'm making, but maybe you can use them. So I'm like, yo, dude, like, yeah, you know, yeah. so I ended up pitching this group, this project and mm -hmm they came in like the deal got closed within a week wow and you know i negotiated a finder's fee and credits da 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 so you know like i out of the money i got i took money out of my pocket and hit off chris because he didn't have to do that Smart. you know what i mean he never asked for money but i'm like yeah. you know i believe in karma and paying it forward like mm -hmm. yo you know you did something that referral you know what i mean yeah. like so you know what's they doing real estate 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Same exact yeah. thing. So that's how I got involved with like you know doing stuff around you know female filmmakers and stuff like that. And okay. then I noticed the same thing in the queer space. You mm -hmm. know, like um, I was at a premiere for this film. I met this actress, and you know she's like, "Hey, you know, I was looking <laughs> for a PR company for the Broken Ones who's getting ready to come out." Mm -hmm. And she's like, "Yeah, you know, like we should do a general at some point in time." So we sat down got along she's like i act i produce and she had done some really big movies that right. were at sundance so um and i'm like all right bet so i went back to la and i was with the financier that did the pickford project mm -hmm. and she literally called me and i'm with the financier of the pickford project she's like yo i'm on this new movie shooting in new york you know they need some money da, da, da. i'm like yo i'm with my financier right now we can get this done and she's like yo let me know like i'm yeah. in um, so I'm like, all right, I'm gonna fly back to New York and meet with everybody. So I flew back, and what ended up happening was um, I met the crew and the team. They were really young. Like the producer was like 21, straight out of NYU. <laughs> I'm like, can these guys get it done? Like there was no one that was 30, even 30 years old, you know, on the thing, you know. So, um, but I I visited them, met with them. I liked what they were doing. I'm mm -hmm. like, yo, I want to get involved. So I came on. I'm like, yo, I help y'all bring some money, uh, and then you know, I'll lend my experience because you all y'all are all brand new to making features so um i came on and then what happened is this actress that came on you know she had you know she had, she basically you know it's really messed up because we're going really raw here she <laughs> she agreed it. to do the movie agreed to everything you know i wasn't part of this conversations before i came on right. and the gates just came to shoot they're like they asked her for a contract before they started shooting and she's like yo, i'll bring it to set so morning of like yo let me get the contract God. she's like yo you know like End of the day. Boom. End of the day. Wow. Yo, I'll get it to you. So what happens is that her lawyer and agent come back and they're like, with all these demands, more money, and like, yo, we thought you were a homie. So what ends up happening was that... Um, That's why you know, they do it. They wait until they you yeah. get them on film and now you have to use, use them. So <clears throat> people were upset. Things went wrong and like... It wouldn't work out, and we couldn't give her what she yeah. wanted. So at this point in time, you know, it was two directors working on it, two mm -hmm. co-writers, two directors. And what ended up happening was that one of the one of the directors, you know, is friends with Neil Patrick Harris, mm -hmm. also friends with Colby Smulders. So he put in a call, like trying to like fill this role, yeah. and it was the best thing that ever happened because what happened was that Colby's like, "Yo, let me read the script." Mm. She read the script, resonated with it, and she's like, "Yo, if y'all come out to L.A." You know, you got to shoot everything in L.A. Oh, my you God. Know? And we worked out a deal with Kobe directly. No agent, wow. no manager. You know, her agent had no idea. Not until I think we were, like, finishing getting ready to present the film. Her agent, you know, she's at UTA. They they were like, what? Kobe did what? You know, so it was all relationship-based. Yeah, for sure. And at that point, we had a lot of interest from other huge names because Kobe was on board. But mm -hmm. we, we rounded out a really great cast, you know, um, and... Um, you know, I was able to get some of the funding, and we ended up applying for SF Film. SF Film gives a ton of grant money, and I had gone out there. I was involved with a film that was at Sundance, uh, a film called A Boy or Girl Dream okay. um, with uh, Amari Hardwick, Megan Good, and Jay Ellis that did very well, and uh, it was playing SF Film. I love so. Jay. He's good people. Yeah, he is. <clears throat> so is Amari. He's good people, too. So, you know, I'm at SF Film just visiting because I had a, a doc I was doing with a filmmaker. You know, I was doing this um, doc around Harry Connick Jr. and Terrence Blanchard, mm -hmm. and the filmmaker was in the Bay. So, you know, I went and visited SF Film, and they're like, yo, you know, the Raining Grant just closed like a couple days ago. I'm like, oh, man, I got two films that would have been perfect for it. Mm -hmm. And on the low, low, 
she was like, yo, you get it to me in the next couple of days, I'll slide it in. I'm wow. like, a word? Nice. So I call my producing partner. I'm like, yo, listen, I'm not really good with writing grants or whatever. You need to fill this out. Get exactly. it in tomorrow. I didn't tell him two days. And we might get some money. So that's what he did. And um, what happened next was that the next month, we were um, a quarter finalist. Really? You know, just like that. We're like, oh, my God. How did this happen? This is a miracle. <laughs> and then we end up winning the thing. We wow. got the, the money from SF Film. Okay. We were all over the trades. Mm -hmm. And then everybody in their mother's <clears throat> calling me. 30 West, this one, that one. Yo, I seen the film in mm -hmm. the trades. Mm -hmm. You know, like we want to represent it. There were sales companies calling. And then um, we got tied into this thing with TFI, Tribeca Film Institute. Mm -hmm. We got funding from them. They <clears throat> presented us at Tribeca in 2019, part of like a work in progress thing. It was us and two other films. The other film was Linka, Linga Franca, I think. And that film got bought eventually by Array, and right. the filmmaker blew up. Her name is Isabel. She's uh, trans. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in our film, Cicada, you know, ended up doing extraordinarily well because we found our sales rep at TFI um, this company called Film Collaborative is ran by Orly um, David and Jeffrey Winters and Jeffrey became our guy you nice. know and he had a lot of experience because we were really young I was still in my early 30s you know and everybody else was in their 20s I was like the grandpa but Jeffrey you know like he's been around for like 20 30 years selling films and he ended up helping us coordinating everything um, and um, it was like the best thing ever, like him coming on board and supporting us. And then, you know, we had like this big premiere that was going to happen in London at the British Film Institute mm -hmm. for their Flair, which is their queer uh, film festival. Mm -hmm. We're opening night film. This was March of 2020. And ah, London was yeah. not shutting down for nothing. They said they were going to, you know, do the festival. Things weren't as serious. And, you know, no one knew that COVID was going to be COVID. Yeah. So... You know, my writer-director was walking to... He was at the airport walking to the flight, hmm. and he got the call like, yo, they're shutting down London. It's wow. a wrap. So, and I was supposed to fly two days later, so everything got canceled. I had like eight flights, you know what I mean? Like, because the film was going to hit all these festivals. We were supposed to play Cleveland, Boston, Philly, and it was just really sad, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, uh, for like a month, I was like really depressed because my, my mom had got hospitalized with covid mm -hmm. you know my uncle was on a ventilator my <laughs> father had just been in a really tragic fire wow. you know back in november mm -hmm. and it was just like the world was like crumbling and um you know and i was like man this movie that was supposed to be really dope and we did all these things you know how, how can this happen right. you know what i mean so by the way there's something in the universe between march and may where everybody has a lull there's always some shit going on around mm -hmm. that time but go ahead yeah, so, you know, like back around the end of April, you know, um, I know I'm talking about Shakira. I'm going to jump around a little bit. Yeah, but I was We're called the rent room. <laughs> you're allowed to go I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, but yeah, no, I was involved with a project with Denzel, who you had on the show last year, you know, and we just Denzel wrapped. Denzel Whitaker. Yeah, Denzel What's Whitaker. Shout out to you. Yeah, shout out to Denzel. So I was on this project with Denzel that we were putting together, and, you know, David Oyelowod came on as EP. Mm -hmm. Um, and um, they really wanted to shoot during the pandemic. So, like, you know, I circled back with the team, 
came on that revived me you know and uh, the film deals with like mental illness within the black community so stars Giovanna Depo you know um, so I came on as an EP along with one of my investors James Cole and um, I flew out to LA like the NMA quarantine for 14 days so I wow. could meet with the crew and all that <laughs> and work and then um, yeah you know we started shooting and uh, it's called 5150 was an incredible experience you know working on that um, and then, you know, we, we were the first SAG-approved project, you know what I mean? Like, because nothing was really improved back then. We came mm -hmm. up with our own protocols. Mm -hmm. No one got sick on our set. <laughs> no one died, thank God. You know, because we were nervous, like, God, like, if we get David Oyelowo sick or Javon, it'll be a wrap. We'll never freaking work Fuck again. That. So none of that happened. But, you know, towards the end of the summer, you know, like our sales rep basically said, listen, you guys keep passing on festival after festival because you don't want to play virtual and you're waiting for in-person festival. But the thing is that you keep passing next year. They're going to consider your film. Oh, old you film. Passing. We're oh, passing on films because things are starting to open up yeah. with, with, with Cicada, you know, and we're like, now nah, we'll wait for in-person. So he's like, listen, y'all could keep passing. But the likelihood is that next year they're going to think your film is old, even though it hasn't played anywhere. Yep. So, and you're ruining the relationship. So, you know, we decided to play Outfest. And Outfest that year in 2020 had a, um, 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 what do you call it, a drive-through theater. Mm -hmm. You know, so we did that. We showed out our two first screenings and then they added a third screening and told us not to promote it because we were doing so well. <laughs> so and out of that, you know, Matt, you know, the writer, co-writer, co-director, co-star got like a ton of meetings with different companies, you know, about other stuff he was doing. Um, and then we played Frameline right after that. Okay. And then um, where the changeover <laughs> was that we we were supposed to play BFI Flair, if you remember that. Mm -hmm. Flair didn't happen. So BFI really loved the film. And that year they only programmed 60 movies wow. 10, of, 10 of the films were American films so you had Nomadland you had One Night in Miami Soul and that's how I met Kemp Powers okay. you know through that but mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. and they programmed our film as one of the 10 as wow. one of the 60 one of the 10 in the US and it gave it such a high profile that people were calling all over to ask for this film I want to see this film so we started getting offers and then um, we ended up signing with Strand Releasing you yeah. know and, and it's crazy this how this thing because we had so many ups and downs with this project mm -hmm. how it kind of found its way and what I didn't say I don't want to give away the film but the storyline is about a bisexual male that gets involved in an interracial relationship during the Sandusky trial so right. it deals with sexual abuse and trauma and um, Matt was sexually abused and the other co-writer you know a co-director I'm sorry Kieran was sexually abused um, so he was they were the right people to tell the story, and they never you, had closure. You sent it to me the other day when we were at the thing the other yeah. day. Yeah. 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 Um, so they both had not had closure with their abusers. Okay. So, um, and... I was too, by the way. You were? Yep. Sorry to hear that. Yeah. Um, thank you for sharing, man. I'm a very open book. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. They've heard it probably 10 times on the yeah. show. <laughs> um, I have talked to my person, though. Oh, you talked oh, to yeah, your oh, yeah, yeah, we cool. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah, it's a whole story. We'll, we'll talk about it. Yeah, we, yeah, we definitely, yeah. definitely got to talk whole, about that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like, one of the things that happened in real life was that before we started filming Cicada, our mm -hmm. other lead, uh, Selden Brown, you know, he lives in Chicago. Um, one night he was, you know, out and about doing his thing and, um, 
you know, he had made out with this guy or whatever, and he was feeling really good. Um, and he was walking through the streets, and someone must have caught that or whatever. And they pulled up to him, like, yo, you know, like, we're trying to get to such and such. And, like, all right, cool. He's giving them directions. And then they shot him. They fucking shot him. Damn. So we had no idea of this because we couldn't. No, he, he survived. Okay. So what happens is that, you know, like, we couldn't get a hold of Sheldon for a while. And, you know, we finally got a hold of him. Like, yo, where you been at? What's going on? He's like, you got shot. And, like, no, nah, no, nah, really, what happened? He's like, got shot. So now production's having a conversation, like, what do we do? Right. Do we, like, recast him, but it's not his fault? Or do we Use try it. to shoot with him? Use so it. we ended up making it work, shooting with him. Yeah. He had a bag attached to him wow. during production, and we had to go back and reshoot the next year, the intimate scenes with him and Matt. Mm -hmm. So because of this, we added his voice and story to it. Mm -hmm. And this is going to sound fucked up, what I said, but it was the best thing ever doing that. Because what happened was the end of 2021... Um, <clears throat> Naomi Watts and Regina Hall mm -hmm. nominated the film for a Spirit Award. Wow! And it, it's because this thing happened. Crazy. Because the story, like, we were nominated for Best First Screenplay Crazy. for their story. You know, um, and what later happened was that you know the film, you know, Omicron was cropping up in the beginning of 2022. <laughs> so we were scheduled to release in England and all these other territories, and got pushed and. You know, we didn't think we were going to go to Europe, but then, like, the first week of February, everything came together, mm -hmm. and we went out to, like, Berlin, we went to Poznan, Warsaw, we went all over Europe and wow. toured with this film. Mm -hmm. We introed it, we had, um, we had uh, translators, you know, there, and we did the Q&As. It was one of the best experience, the best film experience in my life. I've never traveled with a film wow. all over the world, right. you know, year to date. That's the only film I've done that so far. I'm sure I'll do that with more films to come. But, um, and the one thing that, you know, I was, you know, like we were concerned a little bit about some of the places that we went were very homophobic, anti-queer. Yeah. So we had to have security detail. You Even know, in Europe, in Europe, in, in especially in Poland, you know, especially oh, yeah. in Poland, yeah. like there was more Poland. Yeah. We went to Poznan. I'd asked him, like, it was a Monday night and it was packed, you know, packed. Mm. And I'm like, yo, it's a Monday night. Y'all came out, da da da. And it's the blue dot in um in Poland, there in Warsaw. So I'm like, yo, what does it feel? And it's very queer friendly that city. Mm -hmm. So we're like, what? Like, how do y'all manage? Like, and, mm -hmm. and like, yo, listen, we're freedom fighters, and they were so blessed and happy we came. You know, like. There were conversations of us not going to Poland, you know, between the fear mm -hmm. and then just everything. And we're like so glad that we went. It was mm -hmm. like, you know, and this film has rewarded itself in so many ways because, you know, like when we were doing the test screenings at NYU, most of the crew was NYU when we shot this. You know, it was predominantly shot in New York with the exception of Kobe scenes in L.A. Yeah. Um, you know, we did this test screening and at the end of the screening, this gentleman came up and he said, listen, I don't know you guys at all. I was sexually abused. You know, um, I never had closure and, you know, like I'd never like have a conversation about this but this is a safe space and what you guys have done has been you know tremendous and he really appreciated it and he um you know it was a tearful moment you mm -hmm. know because we didn't know this guy you mm -hmm. know and it was genuine i'm like we did exactly what we're yeah. meant to do like that's, that's my that's what it's for yeah 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 because sure. my responsibility as a human being you know, and how I do it as a filmmaker is to leave the world touched, moved, and inspired. So I do that through the films I make, the speaking engagements I do all around the world, mm -hmm. and I'm like, I'm living my life purpose, you know. Um, but pretty much that's what really, you know, 
got me into doing, I want to say, queer cinema. Like, this film really took off. And um, because of the success of that and the meetings that we took at Outfest, you know, um, uh, we ended up doing uh, a second film with Sutter, a queer horror film called Treatment, which will be coming out hopefully later this year, if not next year. Mm -hmm. But they financed it. They're releasing it. And we're we're going to be submitting it to festivals. Nice. So um, that's kind of how I built my brand in terms of telling stories around women, BIPOC, queer. And just this January, you know, I had this film at Sundance called Ricky that deals with recidivism. Um, I launched Ramfus Productions, yeah. which is, you know, like I had Beast of the East before, but I re had a rebirth and rebranded. And I'm, I like that you call it Ramfus. You know what I mean? You yeah. just keep it who keep you my are. name, you know? Brand, I, was so. just, I was just telling the, the writers uh, on the previous episode, you got to brand your fucking name. Everybody's like, writer at such and such. I'm like, no, bitch, Rampus. That's my name. Yeah, remember, when you came to set, you saw everybody wearing swag. Yeah, Rampus production it. swag. I loved it. And on, you know, my shirt is the Hasten flag. You know, mm -hmm. it's just, you know, um, you know, like, property of Haiti, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm really proud Haitian American. I know, like, Haiti's going through a really rough time right now, mm -hmm. and Haitians get shitted on all the time, but, you know, a lot of people don't know, Haiti was the first free country. You know what I mean? We want our freedom, you yeah. know? Like, you know, Chicago was discovered by a Haitian. Mm. Haitians have done so much for other countries in the Caribbean and South America, you know? Um, we're liberated, you know? We're very proud people. Right. So Ramfus Productions is like a global company. I'm shooting stuff all around the world now, mm -hmm. you know? My business partner mm -hmm. is this cat named AJ Leon from, he's from New York, but he's Cuban. Well, mm -hmm. We kept it 100% Cuban. <laughs> and, you know, to, to, to make it a step even forward, we started something called the Hyphen Grant, which is basically a grant to support West Indian and Caribbean, you know, stories nice. and filmmakers, you know. So Ricky, that was at Sundance, was a part of that because our filmmaker was from the Virgin Islands. Okay. Um, and then our second film, which is a feature that's going to be premiering at Tribeca uh, with Sean Paul and mm -hmm. with Saggy, you know, um, it's all about Jamaica and all that. And we, we put some money into that, too. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not only like saying what I'm doing, but the actions are there. You know what I mean? Um, Let me ask you this. So what are, what, what are the type of themes that you like to, like what's your mandate, you know, for the type of movies and TV shows you look for? Yeah, I mean, right now I'm looking, you know, at telling like global stories, you mm -hmm. know, so, you know, I'm looking at stuff in South Africa, uh, Scandinavia, mm -hmm. uh, France, um, Korea. I love Korean cinema. Right. I don't speak it's Korean. It's the best. But the, I love Korean cinema. They're like I, right like my favorite film mm -hmm. of all time is this movie called The Wailing. Mm -hmm. You know, that film inspired Hereditary, right. you know. So, um, but yeah, I'm telling basically global stories and stories around, you know, like West Indian and Caribbean people. And okay. still doing stuff around, you know, um, the queer, woman-led BIPOC space. And mm -hmm. like with Ramfus Productions, I'm looking to level up. You know, stuff that I've made was five million and under. Mm -hmm. I'm looking to do... Like much bigger projects, right. you know, so just, you know, developing things on my slate that are appropriate for this market. Like, mm -hmm. I track the market really well. Yeah. I'm at every festival, mm -hmm. you know. I was at Sundance with the film. I was at South By as a mentor and mm -hmm. a speaker. I saw, like, seven movies within the week I was there. You know, I'll be at Cannes, you know, the whole two weeks. I'm right. um, doing the Ramfus Productions International launch out there. And then I'll be at Tribeca with the film. So, you know, I'm in, in the mix with the sales reps, with the buyers, and just tracking things to see, like, what makes sense, how to pivot, what to do. Right. Um, the path of least resistance, you know. Yeah. So. 
What I'm hearing is the thing that I love the most. I talk about a lot on the show about how you have to pivot. You know, so like you said, you were starting to act at first. And, you know, I have yet to hear you say anything about you being back in front of the camera again. And maybe that's the decision, mm-hmm. or maybe it's still there, mm-hmm. or you just use the fact that you're an actor to be a better producer. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like I use the fact that I was an actor since I was 12 to the time I was 32 to be a better writer and producer. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and, and all the years of dance makes me a better director. You know what I mean? Because I'd see things cinematically. I see things with movement. You know, everything I write is very visual. You know what I mean? So that's what I'm hearing from you is that you needed to do that so you understood what it's like to be on the set from that point of view. So now you understand what you need. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I learned a lot as an actor. And, um, you know, I have a project I've been developing around the street racing, you know. So um, in in my utopia, you know, maybe I'll make a cameo in that when it gets made, you know. But outside of that, I've lost uh, the passion, you know, for acting. You know, like I've realized I'm a really good producer. So predominantly produce. Sometimes I'll direct like corporate videos and stuff and commercials. But, Mm -hmm. you know, like my passion is not directing. My passion is producing because I understand it. I'm good at it. And I enjoy the process, Mm -hmm. you know. So, um, and it took this this journey for me to realize that. You know, I didn't know that right away. Like in the right. beginning when I was act, acting, like a lot of my friends were like, the way that you move, you're very businessy. You know, you used to think about producing. And I was like, I don't want to be a producer. I don't want to be the business guy. <laughs> like, you know, and um, it like, it made me feel icky inside mm. wanting to do that because I was just like dead set on that. But, you know, like the reality of it is that there's so many different opportunities in yeah. the business. And the thing is that like my opinion in terms of acting, it's it's like the lottery. You know, what I've learned is that even producing projects, sometimes an actor might be perfect for the role, but they may not match the other actor. Like if I'm casting a mother, I need or, or a child that they have to like look alike, yeah. you know? And um, there's so many variables that come into play, like when you choose someone, you know, per I'm, se. I'm always telling actors, <clears throat> I just had my friend, she's, she's an actor, you probably know, um, um, Asha Davis on okay. the show. And she was in middle, um, she was in- um, um, Somewhere in the middle? Uh, 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 sorry, she was in uh, Pariah and like all- oh, Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. <clears throat> And we were literally, she's on this week's episode. Okay. And we were talking about this exact thing and I was like you know actors I'm always telling writers I mean uh, actors it's different now because everything is on tape for actors now which I fucking hate mm-hmm. like you know I watch the 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 auditions come in for our big show we're doing right now it's so distant like you you get no communication with them sometimes you give somebody a role because you clicked with them in the room not even they're acting Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you just like, oh, I would have a ball with them on the set. Yeah, the you know vibe. what I mean? It's like all of that. So I used to always encourage uh, actors if they can. It's a little different now. But I hear some are coming back. Um, you need to sit in on those auditions. Because mm-hmm. I think about it now. I wonder what you think, having probably sat in lots and lots of auditions now. I've sat in several hundred. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting here going, man, if I was an actor now, the things that I see that they do and the mistakes and stuff, like I would be crazy. Mm-hmm. Like I'd be booking a lot. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, from yeah. the point of view of what I know now, I'm just curious. Do you, have you experienced that from your point of view of like, man, if I was still doing that, the things I see now, I'd probably be booking some shit. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you learn so much over time, mm -hmm. but I've seen that with uh, definitely with the casting because if someone <clears throat> read for one role and like, wait a second, like I like his acting or her acting, mm -hmm. but it's not for this role. Hey, can you read for this other thing? Right. And, you know, you feel the energy. There's nothing like energy. You know what yeah. I mean? Like there's nothing like in person. I'm really old school, so I'm all about yeah. doing it in person, a hundred percent. Um and I think definitely, like, things I've learned over the years probably would have made me a better actor, you know? But I'm, I'm happy where, where I'm at, sure. you know? Like, I wouldn't have reconstructed it or reversed it, you know, per se. Um, but, yeah, I'm all for the in-person. Sometimes it just doesn't work because of the team or whatever mm -hmm. or, you know? Um, but, yeah, I agree. I yeah, agree I mean, we've all made those projects. I mean, I've produced over 30 projects, and, like, all of them – some of them are amazing. Some of them are things, like you said, I would never show you that one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And some of them are things you're super proud of that you didn't, didn't get any play. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. you can't control it. But the things I learned, oops, the things I learned from it is what I always look at. Yeah. You know? Is those, those are really the keys for me is um, I'll take, like I probably have done almost every genre. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Whether it's a sci-fi, an action, a horror. I've done them all as a producer. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Green screen, whatever the hell. And... So that, that's what I always take is that I got the experience to learn how to deal with those. So it makes me not afraid to touch any of those. You know, no matter who the star is, no matter who the director is, no matter what it is, I'm like, I've done this already. The only difference, as I always tell people is, and you know this, going from your, let's just say, $100,000 project to your million dollar project to your $5,000 million project, only difference, more people, bigger budget, right? And the turnaround is usually faster. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? When you don't have a lot of money, you're like, can you do this favor for me? Mm -hmm. Yeah, give me three months, right? Yeah, yeah. When you have the money, I need it next month. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. That's the difference. More mm -hmm. people turn around, you know what I mean, and more money. That's it. Yeah. Same shit. 100%. You know what I mean? The, the machine is moving faster because everybody's in their own place on those bigger budgets. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But as soon as you, and, and learning how to do what you're doing right now, it's just gearing you for all of that. The advantage you have <clears throat> is because now you know how to deal with the salesmen, mm -hmm. the salespeople and all that stuff and, you know, getting distribution. Mm -hmm. That's a whole nother thing. Like, I'm the producer you hire to fix something. Mm -hmm. you know, like mm -hmm. you said, somebody, they lost a producer because he got an argument with the director. Hill, can you come in and fix this shit? And I'm like, oh, shit. I see where we're over budget. I know what the problem is. It's in the camera department. It always is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Okay. And then you, I got to do what you do. Mm -hmm. I go in. I talk to them. They already have all their shit set up, and I have to convince them otherwise mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to take less money. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Here's what I found. I'm curious from your point of view. The way that I've been able to get all of my crews down is specifically if it's like the DP, whoever, let's just stay with the DP. I usually look at the reel like five or six times. Mm -hmm. And then I'll think about the project we're writing. And I'll be like, oh, you know what's missing in there? They don't have that scene. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so what I'm selling is the scene. Mm -hmm. You need that scene on your resume, on mm -hmm. your reel. Mm -hmm. And the reason is, <clears throat> you like for example, you don't have anything that has action in there like that. You don't have anything that has that moment of tension. You don't have anything that has a really good dialogue scene between two characters doing this thing, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to encourage them to, and you probably have done this, there's nothing like telling somebody they got to take less money and now having them half do their job. 
Mm-hmm. I have to encourage them to want to do the job even more now because mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. they're going to get something. Mm-hmm. They just mm-hmm. didn't realize they needed that. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Mm-hmm. So that's what I do. I'm spending a lot of time trying to figure out where's the weak point in their stuff that we are doing that's going to make them excited to want to do the movie for $300 less today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, yes, indeed. Yeah. Um, I do a lot of strategy. Mm-hmm. Um when I have to have those tough conversations. So I'm a big fan. There's a few books I'm going to drop that have helped me Give tremendously. <clears throat> um, the first book, the most important book, is How to Win Friends and Influence People Love by Dale one. Carnegie. Yeah. And um, it's the same. They don't make it a requirement in like school. <laughs> I mean, it should be a requirement in like grade school, elementary school, high school, <laughs> college. You know, it's such like there's so many diamonds and nuggets in it and it's it's just common sense but common sense is not that common and i what i would do is i will build a scenario like i reverse engineer it so for example i'll say like all right remember when steven spielberg did jaws and you know like he didn't get all of the budget that he needed and you know he wanted to tell the story um but he had a vision and um you know, like what ended up happening, him not selling the shark, make it better. And there were tweaks and cuts and people were in. And then what happened? He did Jaws 2, 3 and then bigger budgets and people worked with him. Right. You know, would you have jumped in on that? And yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, this is a scenario. We're on this film. Mm-hmm. There's things creatively that have to change. We have to cut X, Y, Z. And a lot of times when you make these changes, sometimes you have a better film yep. and this, I believe, is our Jaws, you know? Mm-hmm. Are you down to ride on this? And then yeah. you get them to say yes, you know what I mean? So with How to Win Friends and Influence People, a lot of it is about being genuine and, you know, being mindful of the other person because it's not about what you want, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, I never go in, this is what we want, this is what production wants because they don't care, like, what's in it for them? I talk about how it benefits them. Like, what are they getting out of it, yeah. you know? And then they're more vested in it, like, okay, like, Ramphis is kind, like, please and thank you are, like, the unforgotten languages of, you know, but very kind, mindful, and seeing it from their point of view, how do they win? And I talk about how they're winning, not about how I'm winning or how we're winning. And then most of the time that works, you know, just... It's just common sense. And then the other book that I use, I mean, this is what Hollywood is about, is the 48 Laws of Power, you know, like (laughs) understanding when people are trying to take advantage of you or, you know, like it's a game of chess. So I think it's a great book because um, you will, you don't necessarily have to use these techniques, but you can learn how these techniques are being, you know, used against you and you can either pivot or let it rock. Um, But that's helped me a lot in my career and one of the things that both books explore you know different angles but the thing is that the creator Allah God whatever you call him gave you two ears and one Mm -hmm. mouth for a reason most people don't listen so a lot of times you hear like exactly what that crew member or whatever wants or needs you know in their general life or their you know and it's tuning to that like okay this will get them it might be something like really small like all right like on the thing that we just shot you know, like we had an amazing cinematographer. He's not cheap. You know, um, he yeah, got it. His... Looked, it looked amazing. I came by the set, by the way. Yeah, check it out. It, it was dope. It was dope. 
um, <clears throat> and you know, he shot some really big movies, mm -hmm. and um, and his crew, you know, it's all, you know, it's a union suit, and everyone had to take a pay cut, you yeah. know, and one of the things that was really important to them was to have that courtesy breakfast, mm -hmm. you know, we didn't have that in the line item budget, you know, it wasn't required, but you know what? Let's go the extra mile. And we made sure that we had the vegan, yep. vegetarian options, you know, every option that was there. And they were so happy, yep. you know. So we tuned in. We it's, heard the little thing. They, it's the little thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they were willing to take the, you know, like they still work their ass off. Mm -hmm. You know, we were in the OT, you yep. know, one night. So, and we had to do the overnight, you know what I mean? No one liked doing overnight. So, yeah. you know, and then the third book that's really helped me in my career is, um, uh, Chris Voss wrote this book. He's the number one hostage negotiator in the world. Um, the book is escaping my mind right now. Um, but uh, What's Chris Haas? Chris Chris Voss. Chris Voss. Voss. Um, um, oh my God, I'm blanking out on the name right now. Let me let me pull it up. It's okay, we'll figure it all yeah. out. See what it is. <clears throat> oh, never splitting the difference. That's the name of it. I just remember. Never split the difference like your life depended on it. So the idea is that if you can negotiate someone's life, you can negotiate anything in the world. Mm. And the book gives you all these different tools and you know, you have these tools in your toolbox that you can utilize, you know, where he talks about, you know, things that went wrong, you know, like a lot of times the experts or professionals, they don't really tune into what the other person is, you know, again listening, hearing, mm -hmm. you know, um, and I learned a lot from that book and I use a lot of those techniques when I negotiate my deals and contracts and I usually get what I want, you know, for the most part, mm -hmm. you know, um, sometimes I have to compromise, which is fine, you know, but um, these has helped me along the way with everything from crew to raising financing, mm -hmm. distribution, you know, pivoting, you know, um, it's all wanna, strategy. I want to give you some kudos on the first thing I noticed about your set is, yes, there's guys on the set, but it was full of women in the crew, too. Yeah. It was probably half and half is what I saw. You know what I'm saying? They looked pretty close, you mm -hmm. know, and very diverse. Yeah. Fully diverse. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? All across the whole, you know what I'm saying, diaspora, whatever the fuck. It was like, holy shit, everybody was there. Yeah, I've made it a point on, I would say pretty much on every crew that I have. It's a crew of, you know, women, BIPOC, right. queer, right. you know. So, yeah, it was pretty much 50-50 mm -hmm. in terms of that. And plenty of people of color from everywhere that you can imagine, you know. And we had a lot of people that flew in as well, you know, that wanted to be part of the project. But, yeah, when we did treatment, you know, our basic mandate was that everybody had to be queer or a person of color. You know, That's that nice. entire crew was that. And mm -hmm. I would say... Pretty much all my my crews are like that, you know. That's dope. That's dope. Cool. What's what's um, what's what's next for you? Man, um, so much. Uh, well, we just wrapped up production. I'm heading back to New York. I teach as well, so I'm are headed. The, are you working with Guy Nicolucci and those guys? Am I working at, with? At the, are you going to be working with them at that school? The um, you're going to be at the new the school and. You're going to be teaching at a school coming up, right? Well, I teach, uh, I'm going to be at Rock Birdie next month, but I, I currently teach at Mount Clare State University in New Jersey. Yeah, that's it. And I teach at uh, Five Towns College. Yeah, Mount you know, Clare, um, they come here every okay. year. 
and oh, yeah. yeah, and I always speak to the kids. I just did it like a month ago. I just spoke to the kids. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, every okay. year. Okay. And I brought them here once. We were doing a writers room in here. Okay, and then I let them sit in. They were videotaping us. That's they, sick. Yeah, they made this little documentary about me and all this stuff. It was cute. It was cute. I knew they had an LA program, but yeah. I didn't know much about it. You yeah, know, guy, I, guy Nicolucci teaches. I don't know whatever the one of the classes, but he's like one of the main. You know, instructors or whatever. Okay. Yeah, okay. but he was telling me we got this new guy coming in who's going to be teaching, and he is oh my god, we can't believe we got this guy and blah 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 blah. And I was like, oh, okay, well, he didn't even say who you were. I would have, <laughs> I would have immediately like, you know, I know this motherfucker, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's an amazing class. I have tw- it's a full class. I have twenty five students. It's full. It's to the brim. Wow. How so, you gonna have time to do that? Uh, well, I'm currently teaching now. You know, so I teach, so I fly out Monday night, I land into New York Tuesday morning, I go straight to class to teach on Tuesday, (laughs) and then my Thursday class is in person or Zoom, so, um, you know, it's pretty flexible, Mm -hmm. you know, like the universities have worked with me, so um, that's how I've been teaching this entire semester. you teaching what class on that one? So I'm teaching, so at Five Towns College, I'm teaching Producing 2, Advanced Producing, Mm -hmm. and then at Mount Clare State University, I teach Production Management. Nice. So that's good. That's good. So yeah, um, uh, from here I I start working with CBS on their pipeline leadership program. So I'm okay. going to be mentoring. You know, I start that this month, and I got that actually from our homegirl Yumoria. Really? Shout out to her. Um, she's part of the Black TV Film Collective, mm-hmm. and she recommended me. They reached out, and you know, so I'll be working with them the next few months. Um, I head to France to start teaching at Rockabirdy. It's a, okay. a castle in France wow. and doing a retreat with mm-hmm. writers. You know, so nice. I'm mentoring one set of writers one week and another set of writers the following week. Um, and then I head to Nice uh, to go to Cannes. I'll be at Cannes. I have the international launch of Ramfis Productions there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I head back to New York for Tribeca for the film um, with Saggy and Sean <clears throat> Paul. Um, and then I had the release of Unidentified Objects. That's the little person queer adjacent Dope. sci-fi film that Dope. comes out in June. Uh, Quiver bought the film, so it's coming out theatrically. Mm-hmm. Um, and then July, I start shooting my next film uh, called Urban Ed, shooting that mm-hmm. in Massachusetts, the okay. west western part of Massachusetts. It's like um, Dangerous Minds meets uh, Freedom Land and is based off true events that happened at this charter school. Okay. So, um, yeah. I grew up in the neighborhood of Danger- Dangerous Minds. That was the school in my neighborhood. Really? I was there <laughs> during that time. Wow. Yeah, for sure. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It's actually part of when people ask me about myself and I'm, I tell them my story and I talk about how I grew up in, you know, East Palo Alto and mm-hmm. I'm like, you remember the movie Dangerous Minds? Like, yeah, I'm like, that was the school in my neighborhood. They're like, really? <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah, it's funny. Um, that's dope, man. That's some good shit going on for you. I like it. Yeah, yeah. Like it's been it. a fire year, man. Yeah, man. It's good. It's going to even just keep getting, getting better, you yeah. know? And I think you're going to keep growing, um, which is, which uh, one of the things I love is that sounds like you're giving back when you teach, you know? But like, that's your way of giving back to the kids so they can learn. You know, like, like I do this podcast, like in all the shit I do, the Writers Guild, it's like I'm giving back to the kids, you know, on my time. You know what I mean? I like give this away for free. You know, so that people can learn and get the game so they don't have to make the mistakes I was making coming up. You know what I mean? So I love when people are giving back to them and teaching and stuff like that and embracing. For sure. It's a good thing. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I've worked with, like, the Ghetto Film School, Mythic Bridge, a lot of non-for-profits, and do mentorship through various programs. And then um, I work with the various film schools with internships that, 
you know, interns for Ramphis, you know, productions, you know, but one of the things that is really important to me, like you said, is giving back. So, you know, I work with places like Holy Apostle Soup Kitchen. I get all my interns together and we go and, you know, we feed the homeless, That's you good. know, so we made it a point because um, I'm in a mastermind group with Jay Setti. You know, we meet every Sunday, uh, 10 a.m. West Coast time, one o'clock, mm -hmm. you know, New York time and did it this morning, meditated with you know, a group of like almost 2,000 people. Wow. And one of the things that Jay says is that, you know, um, it's a mantra. The more you give, the more you get. The more you get, the more you give. Right. And I believe in that 100%. Right. You know, it's just, you know, everything is energy, mm -hmm. you know. So, gotcha. um, you know, there's times when, you know, like things may come up in your life and, you know, like the angels show up. And the reason being is it's like what you put out. So I'm a big believer in that. Facts. Facts. Well, thank you, man. Uh, are you on Instagram, Twitter, you know, where, where you at? Keep people follow you? Yeah, um, I'm Ramphis Murthal Official on Instagram. Um, Ramphis Murthal on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. um, I use LinkedIn a lot. There's a whole conversation around that. I do, too. Um, I see you on LinkedIn yeah. every damn day. You on there. <laughs> yeah, I post every day. We post it today, you yeah. know. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm RamphisProductions.com. You know, That's pretty much. So yeah, cool. thank you so much for having hey. me. This has been so cool to chop it up I'm, with you I'm and learn about your stories as well, yeah, man. Oh, yeah. I got a lot of stories. Um, I'm always just trying to, you know, blast people that I want people to know about. You know what I mean? I love that you're doing great things. <clears throat> I love how you're so inclusive. You know, come to the set, come hang out with us, and see what we're doing. You know what I mean? So that was a lot. I got to meet some cool people there. You know, so. Um, you know, got to see Denzel do his shit, you know, from behind the scene, you know what I mean? So that was that was really cool. It was fun. It was fun indeed. Yeah. You know. Now I wish nothing but the best for you, dude. You know, more success. And when you go back, make sure you uh say hi to guy Nicolucci when you meet him, uh when you when you're over there at Montclair, for sure. Him and the team over there. Oh, for sure. They're the oh, bunch of sure. nice guys over there. Yeah. Um well thank you, man. I appreciate you. Um Again, I am your host, Hillary Guest. You guys can find me on Twitter. I say Twitter like I'm cool, by the way. <laughs> at, uh, at Hillary Guest. Um, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, all that shit. Just at Hillary Guest. Please go on iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, whatever you guys listen to, Spotify. Uh, we are all over the world. Um, please give us a five-star review. We need that for the metrics. <clears throat> please go on screenwritersrr.com. We have a Patreon page there. You guys could donate if you want. Three million, one million, whatever works for you. You know, we don't ask for much. Um, <laughs> and uh, we, we appreciate all you guys, you know, always chiming in, sending us really nice messages, um, tweeting us, you know, all that love. We appreciate it. Um, thank you, guys. Ramfus, join with me for 2023. Um, lots of good shit coming up. Thank you again, Ramfus. Uh, you guys know how we do it on the Rant Room. On the show, we keep it real. We keep it opinionated. We keep it what, Ramfus? 20, 20, 23. <laughs> Peace, y'all. Well, I'ma say what I feel And I promise to keep it real Welcome to the Rant Room Well, you gotta be a rider till your fears are diminishing, the doubts are behind ya. It's hard to grind and the business got me stressed in the rent room. We let that shit up off our chest. You never have to guess when you're listening to Hilliard. He gon' bring more game than a shark playing billiards. It's all about the crap of screenwriting. It's exciting when you turn an outline into something enlightening. Your pen and words are like bullets in a gun. Write what you feel, say what you want. Welcome to the rent room.